Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I'm Nick Youssef. I'm Kevin Christie. Hot one. This uh, Hot is, art. This is my. One, I've been trying to get this to happen. Yeah. I tricked. I've been my patiently friend for this Brett moment. into being on the show by virtue of him not having a car because he doesn't live here. Yeah. And I trapped uh, my friend Brett Kilrow in my house. He is a very well-known, successful, important art director. We get in. R-O-E was here.com. Go yeah. there immediately so you can... Because we get into a lot of visual discussion here, yeah. obviously. We talk a lot <laughs> about the things he yeah. did, so it's helpful for you to go there and look at the covers we're talking yeah. about. Be on that website, um, and we talk about most of, the, most of uh, what we get into there. And then you're going to be neat... Because as we were recording this, you guys would bring stuff up, and I'm like, i got to Google that right now. I need to yeah. be able to look... So be in front of a computer if you can. You don't need to be. It'll make the episode like a little bit uh, more enjoyable right away because you'll know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. Brett's an art director. We get into what that kind of is. That the, yeah. you know, A lot of people don't understand what art direction is. We talk about that. We talk about kind of like a lot of the things he's done in his career, how he started, and just kind of the way he goes about his job. Brett and I have worked together a ton. We talk a little bit about that. And yeah, it's I've, I've, I can't. Tell you how happy I was to do He's this. He's responsible for every Kings of Leon cover, every Kings of Leon, um, everything. Yeah, this, uh, uh, some Strokes covers. Strokes some are all some, some a some. lot of them. Uh, Foo Fighters. There's Foo been a Fighters. lot of great bands. Missy Elliott, yeah, Missy Side Elliott. Project. Uh, I mean, the real Bastard. banger, Old Dirty Bastard yeah. Welfare Card cover. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, he's done like a, you're gonna see a lot of covers where you're gonna go, oh fuck, that was him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's great. He's he's a smart dude, um, and very uh, willing to discuss like how he got into all this and what it is to like work with these. Yeah, it's a good education in what goes into making some of these things. How involved it can get yeah. when the people care. Yeah. So listen to it, and then and I think it'll it'll think it'll shine a new light on how you look at album covers and how you, even some of the things you already like when you realize what goes into certain things yeah and we got into like I, I asked him like how was it to watch how people went from like consuming music visually as well as like you know sonically audibly or whatever into just like having shit on a computer yeah because he he started working in music during the the, the CD era yeah. and then he you know watched it go digital and now it's like everyone's streaming and like people are buying vinyl again but not to where it was like when it was CDs or yeah. when, when vinyl was vinyl um, so we get into that and stuff but like it it's just a reminder that like you know listening to music like there is a visual thing too yeah you know like these these out these bands like put together albums it's not just music there's all this yeah. other stuff going they have on. a look and they have a style and they yeah. want it to feel a certain way and it's about it's about them all working together to create yeah. like a really like a whole thing. Yeah. It's not just here's the song. It's so about like, the whole yeah. thing. Like when you get I still do this now, like when I get an album, I'll look up online. I'll be like, I wanna see the album artwork, the liner notes, like what's you know, what's going on on the inside and even like video bands are still making music videos, by the way, guys. Yeah. I'm still surprised by this every once in a while where I'll be talking about the new whatever album. And then my friends are like, oh yeah, that video for that song. I'm like, they made a like yeah. I, I just you just forget. But like that shit's still fucking out there. And it's important, man. You look at old like album covers, like we talk about the Pink Floyd covers and, yeah. and the, the people that made all those. For people that make things, yeah. those covers have they have they are they're like the covers that made 
people like me and Brett want to make things, and the, a lot of the covers that Brett has made are the reasons yeah. that people like me wanted to make things, and exactly. younger than me. Yeah. So it's all part of a thing. Yeah. So this is one of those guys. This is essentially one of those guys that is is making, has made, and will continue to make fucking super cool album artwork. It's fuck. It was great. It was great yeah. to have him. I'm 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 really happy he let yeah. me force him to do this. <laughs> I'm happy that you forced him to do this. Yeah, and we he let that happen too. Okay, a couple quick announcements. Uh, one, my album is now available on vinyl. You can purchase that on specialthingrecords.com. There's links on my website, on my Instagram, and on my Twitter. Uh, and if you live in LA, it is available at Amoeba Records. And uh, a couple of road dates, uh, January 29th, first Houston Improv with Bobby Lee. And February 19th, 21st, uh, Parlor Live, downtown location in Seattle. Me and Ari Shapir, that would be a fun one. Um, there are tickets for both of those on my website, nickyshow.com. So go check all that out. And uh, links to the vinyl as well on my website. We'll enjoy the fuck out of this episode, you guys. We love you. I mean, when you were a kid, you were like me. You were like a kid who drew constantly. And like, but do you feel like it was more like, okay, I drew things. Like I was trying to draw like people. Do you feel like you as a kid were drawing more like logos and type and like band lettering type things? Yeah, for certain. No question about it. I was definitely that kid from maybe like, yeah, like 10 or nine even. Earlier than that, it was like, you know, Snoopy and stuff. But when music sort of, I definitely became evident early that I was not like the other kids in terms of just my sort of personal aesthetic in general. (laughs) And then sort of music became a huge part of my being in, you know, like white trash redneck Canada (laughs) in like the 80s. What part of Canada? What part? Calgary, just above Montana. Okay. And it's like, you know, I love it. It's like, was my home, is my home. Like, I still love it. But it was, you know, I was, it's right wing redneck oil money. And my friends had brothers who introduced us to music early so that I was, you know, listening to ACDC and Zeppelin and Ozzy and all that stuff pretty early. So, yes, I guess this, the, the sort of interest in music and it, the aesthetic thereof became sort of a part of my lifestyle quickly to where I was, you know, dra- drawing logos on, like, every desk I ever sat in and every binder I ever had. And, yeah, like, really distracted and sort of engrossed in that world, for sure, early on. And... Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think also, all those bands had really rad, kick-ass logos, logos. Yeah. like yeah. logos you would get a tattoo of, or logos you. I mean, it was sh- t-shirt culture. Yeah, for sure. And and the, it's interesting now coming out the other end of that, like that, like to merchandise those logos. You know, like the Iron Maiden logo, which I could still draw with my eyes closed yeah. right now <laughs> on denim, and it would be fucking perfect <laughs> for real. I yeah. will volunteer some clothing <laughs> for you to. Yeah. I mean, that's how I am with the Metallica type or yeah. the Twisted Sister logo. For yeah. real, Rat, <laughs> yeah. Maiden, Judas Priest, 
I, there's not a day that went by that I didn't write Ozzy on my knuckles before didn't, I went to school. I heard James Hetfield came up with the Metallica. James Hetfield did the Metallica yeah. type. It's awesome. That's Which crazy, right? Like for the, he did like cool. one logo and did one of the best ever <laughs> of all time. And yeah. he was like, "I'm out. I did it." Yeah. Well, the, the, the it, it's early sort of inception, and then it turned into like more of the 3D version on yeah. Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. So. Yeah, I think the ACDC logo and Rush, O Canada, the Rush logo and the various Rush logos were certainly early sort of, yeah, invites to me into, you know, yeah, drawing and, and giving music a face in the way that I was like really excited to do at the time. Yeah, because then you went to Canadian art school. I did go to Canadian art school. Which is I, hardcore. I went, yeah, it is hardcore. And how is it hardcore, like, in a different way than I just States? noticed that everyone I've met, every all the people I've met that have gone to Canadian art school or went to art school in Canada are really good. Yeah, it's true that we... It was um, a lot... Alberta College of Art and Design, it's called. And it's it was a very disciplined... Really, no fucking around. Really, really hardcore mm-hmm. education, and so that I di- did that and graduated. Then I went to moved to New York with the intention of making album covers. I was definitely that kid in high school that was like, I want to make album covers. Is that even a possibility? So I went to art school and learned. So that was like s- pre-internet. Yeah. And so, like, you had no real idea that that's pot. You couldn't just yeah, Google like, oh, not. there's a place for yeah, that, or no like. Idea. So you're just like I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to make album covers. Yeah, totally. That's and, awesome. And a friend of my my girlfriend, my high school girlfriend's sister, had moved to New York, and that's what she did. So I had some sort of like second degree of separation of someone that was actually doing it, which was like you know, kind of mind blowing. Wow. So I I graduated from the hardcore Canadian art school, the <laughs> College of Art Design, and moved to New York to do post. I got a scholarship to go to SVA for one semester to do post grad stuff. What's SVA? School of Visual Arts okay. in New York. Right. And I arrived there, and I was as to to Kevin's point. I definitely so I entered like their sort of fourth year program and took some fourth year portfolio classes and a bunch of other things. And I there's no question that I was at a completely different level than their fourth year students were like so, way better like just beyond like yeah just way like more. hard school canadian shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the canadian mafia was in full effect yeah, yeah. i yeah i was just more prepared i was more my education was just far greater and i was just far which is saying a lot because yeah. sva is considered a very good art school sure and I, I, ironically i teach there now and um i it's no disrespect to sva i just i was definitely more prepared no question about it um, so, yeah, and the day I got out of school at SVA, my friend, who's was the cousin of my high school girlfriend, worked at Electra Records at the time, and she's, it was literally the day that I got out of school. She said, bring your portfolio up to Electra. Let's see what's going on. We have wow. some stuff. And that I did, and that day I started working on the first project I ever worked on was Missy Elliott had, like, this four-girl Sister dance group called Sista. Yeah. Amazing. And the logo was <laughs> genius. It was a, like a profile of an African American woman's head, but it's spelt Sista. And I bet to this day, if we could find track Missy down, she has a real bad logo tattooed on her calf. <laughs> wow. It says Sista. That's hilarious. So I did the Sista package. <laughs> And like you know, to to the art director's joy, I just like fucking 
over the fence, nailed it, done, who is this kid? <laughs> and what came next out of the gate was the fucking old dirty bastard returned to the 36 chambers, the dirty version. That's where we have, we have to stop there for a second. Because that, like I said, okay, the other night I'm on Instagram. Yeah. And my college girlfriend, Celia Oliver, now okay. Celia Catalino, she's married. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, she, real quick, so the, the name of the album so I can look it up. Uh, Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah. Return, return to the 36 Chambers, the dirty version. Return the, to the... <laughs> 36 Chambers, a dirty version. The, so I'm on the Instagram. The, the Wu-Tang's Wu record was called Return, Return to the 36 Chambers. I can't believe I'm slurring. And so his was just Return to the 36 Chambers, the dirty version. Yeah. So, oh, the, okay, yeah, I see. And so I'm on Instagram, and my college girlfriend posts a, a, a picture of a print she had just won in a contest. Yeah. This little kid had redrawn this cover, and she was like, oh, my God. Ever since I saw this kid's drawing, I've been like so obsessed with it. And we entered and we actually won. I never won anything. And I was like, oh, do you know Brett did that cover? And she was like, shut up. I'm like, yeah, the yeah. guy who used to come to our apartment when he'd be in town because I'd be working with him. That's one of his first jobs. Wow. This particular cover, it's pretty legendary. Like, I know you did it and it was a long time ago, but it's one of those ones that had, when it's probably the, the more, one of the more iconic images of Old Dirty Bastard from his career. It's really cool. It won it, it in like a whole bunch of hilarious hip hop magazines. It's one, it's one like top 10 hip hop album covers of all time for sure, which, you know, I take very little credit for. It was all about him. I was like the 22 year old white kid from Calgary going, yeah, you're fucking rad. He would come into this. <laughs> offices and be like super fucked up and just be like i want to do this and i was like that's cool you got fangs and you're spitting all over me and shit like cool <laughs> i get it that's cool he was the raddest i loved him he was uh, he was amazing so you know i was there i did it it was a time and a place and he drove that train and i just like sort of yeah drove i, I just sort of was on it and it was like okay cool let's do this then and it happened and it happened sort of quickly and and then it sort of yeah, turned into a thing. He's rad. He was rad. Bless him. But Best I mean, that piece. there seems to be kind of two versions of being... And I want to get into what being an art director is because I don't think most people understand. I only kind of understand. I don't at all. Right. <laughs> but like, there's some times where you have a sense that the person you're working with has a, a, a very kind of intact thing they're interested in doing and you not so much get out of the way but like facilitate that thing they already have and just kind of work with that particular process and that kind of maybe idea and, and kind of feeling they already have going. Or there's another version where you kind of steer more or less the entire thing and bring things to them or like, this is the direction I think we go and like give them things to like choose from and like the direction. Yeah, no, there's no question that old, the old dirty thing Again, it was a time and a place. I got lucky. I was there. He's fucking him. The most colorful rapper ever. He had a very strong idea about what he wanted, and I executed it to the best of my abilities, and he loved it, and it was rad. The end. You know? Yeah. That's fucking cool. But, like, I was more of, like, I played the more role of the designer. He was sort of, he and my boss, Ali Trusha at the time, were the art directors, and it was their idea, and I just sort of executed it from a right. design point of view. Right. Whereas other times, there's been many other times where a band may come to me with 
partially an idea or a title of a record or a picture their friend took or the worst case scenario, a logo that their brother's girlfriend made or something. <laughs> or, their, or their friend Kevin Christie because it was Eve 6 and they're like, oh boy. Yeah, did, did, that ha- did you do a logo that I had to deal with? No, I, did a, I, did, I once did like a really bad cover that they were just convinced, like, we'll just have Kevin do the cover, and then we'll take it to RCA, and they'll be like, rad! And that is not at all what happened on any level. <laughs> I, that's a, The Eve 6 thing is an actually hilarious story, because I was... So, of course, the label, in that case, the song was, like, you know, the chomping at the bit. Everyone knew that song was going to be big, and there's never enough time to, like, get the stuff done in the way that you need to get the stuff done. So the buck always sort of stopped at the art department. Like, is it done yet? Well, just hurry. Who cares? Make a logo like by tomorrow. The song yeah. needs to go to the radio. Hurry. So we, I, you know, of course in those days I absolutely was like fired up about it and I stayed up all night. I lived at RCA for real for like months on end. Wow. And I made a, a version of the Eve six logo and I sent it to them. I was like, okay, you can use this for like your minor marketing purposes but you have to promise it's in progress you have to promise not to put it anywhere permanent (laughs) you can't it's not done yet and i normally wouldn't even i like you so i so i agreed to send you a work in progress but it's not done yet so please don't fucking put it everywhere they're like oh yeah no totally it's cool and i flew to la the next day to meet them to to prep for the photo shoot and it was like wonkily painted onto the fucking kick drum i painted that attaboy thanks (laughs) (laughs) definitely painted that they i did not get paid but it was definitely my job to paint that onto the kick drum at max's house cool so so if you could go ahead and not do that because that's lame but then get kevin to totally do it (laughs) they i wasn't told not to do it there's no way that got to me or them of course not but i do remember this i do remember like after it became obvious i was not going to do the album cover at all i was at max's house (laughs) when they got like the box of illustration samples to look through you sent them uh, Mark Todd, Jason Holly, Jason Holly, uh, <laughs> Jonathan the, Rosen, Jonathan Rosen. But I, what I remember specifically is there was like a note on Jonathan Rosen's book that was like, "Don't look at the big compositions; look at the small individual pieces." And yeah. that is like a clear indication where you're like, "Look, the, first of all, Max and them were kids." And you're like, they're going to get, they're going to see this and be like, oh, we don't want a, a cover full of like lots of little things. But you were like, no, no, no. Look at the small things he makes. It's like sort of iconographic stuff. Yeah, little, because he'd make, like, he'd do these drawings full of all this crazy stuff. Yeah. You know, those but if hands you like, the worms, remember? Yeah, if you like zoomed in, you could make something rad out of just one thing. So that's what that, like, you know, the fly they used on their first cover yeah. was just like a small piece of like a larger thing. It's like, no, zoom in on that and like blow it up. Okay. But that's like clearly you understanding how someone's probably going to react to something. That's the, that's where the, that's where the art direction began. Don't fucking put the logo everywhere or or do, which is lame. <laughs> and then look at this work because I won't be able to be there to just walk you through it. Normally, I wouldn't send illustrators' portfolios or photographers' portfolios to a group of kids and their managers and whoever else is in their management's office, like assistants and shit. Like, what do you think? Yeah. Like, no, no. Yeah. I would be usually sitting there and walking them through why this applied or why that applied or why this piece of this could apply and how versus just like, I don't know, we don't like green. Ew, flies? No. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's not what it was about really. So I guess that's the sort of beginnings of how you got people to get sort of a handle on what you might be thinking their music looked like and giving it a face in a way that would hopefully surprise them and 
ultimately you. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, always the struggle. And for the most part, what I've noticed is like, I don't, or I don't know this for sure, but it seems like bands are so busy making their music, they don't, they don't tend to get to start thinking about what everything should look like till it's like, like, hey, we need to do this in a week. It's super, like, I often meet bands while they're in the studio working. And obviously, they're so emotionally connected to what they're doing at that moment, whether they're working on a specific song, or they've been working on a specific song for three or four days, or a vocal part, or like they're working out the solo or something. And even if they're really far along on the record, or maybe even they're in the mixing or mastering process, they're so like emotionally like in it and close to it that they have zero perspective on where it is and what it means to the world. And uh-huh. giving it a face at that point is semi-dangerous only because their perspective on what it is and what it means is going to change in three weeks once they take, have some distance from it, you know? So it's a strange place to be. And then if, if and when it does, the perspective does change, and we've spent three or four weeks like running down a rabbit hole that is like blows up in our face and changes later, which happens all the time, then we sort of have to be able to react accordingly. So it's a, it's a sort of double-edged sword in, in terms of when to get involved emotionally and start to make things. Hopefully, because it's never... It's also, again, in every case ever, when it's time to fully let go and they're done and it has the cover's done, the record's done, and it's about time to come out, every single artist, no matter what level they're at, has a difficult time sort of letting go because it's like now people get to decide whether they like it or not. So people have this weird emotional struggle with the fact that they need to just like it be done now. Yeah. So often artists find ways to be like, oh, can we try this or can we like try this or even let's like comp- try something completely different, you know, and that's kind of a drag. They want to just, just in order to keep hanging on to yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So, and they don't know they're doing that. They're just doing yeah. it because it's, there's, it's super vulnerable to just finally let go and be like, okay, what do you think, you know? So, so I guess, ultimately, I might be babbling, but that's, that feels like there's an element of trust that we, as like-minded artists, have to develop between one another so that by the time we get to that point, I can say, you know what, we meant this three weeks ago. Let me remind you why we meant this three weeks ago and what it has to do with what you are talking about and what this music looks like. And, like, own it. Because if you, like, really fucking mean it and own it, mm-hmm. then people believe you, you know? But if you're sort of wishy-washy or sort of um, trepidatious about it, then people, it doesn't carry the weight that it needs to, and people don't believe you, and it's like, yeah, it's usually a bad sign. I mean, when, <clears throat> when you and I have worked together, I noticed that most of what we discuss when we're on the phone is you're always like, it needs to feel like this. And I, was, I said this to you the other day, like, when I work with other people, I notice it doesn't... I have trouble working with other people, as opposed to you, as art directors. Because, and I don't know... I'm not exactly sure why it is specifically. Because I'm fucking rad. Well, you're obviously <laughs> radder than they are. But the way they explain stuff, there's never... There's always a bit of a disconnect. At least for, like, the first, like, round of things I send them. Because... And it's weird because and in, I've never heard any of them be like, it needs to feel like this. Whereas there's been some times where you'll tell, tell me to do something and you're just like, it's, I'm thinking this and it just needs to feel rad. And that's almost like, a, like that makes sense to me. 
But we have a vernacular that we're talking about. We've been dear friends for a very long time, and there's a way that we speak yeah. that makes sense. But it's also, it, I do, and like uh, other friends of mine, like our friend Tracy, you know, when I describe things about like, it f- needs to feel like this, or this is the way I feel about that, or I feel this way. She's like, you have fucking feelings. Like, <laughs> what, what does it look like? You know, but it is, there is a tactility, especially to the way that like giving music a face should have that is emotional and emotive. And, and I think it helps people sort of get there if you can like draw on that. And I think when, when artists, like-minded people, like art director to illustrator, or art director to photographer can have those sort of conversations about their own process and understand what it means to be like, it needs to feel like this, the way that look needs to feel like this for these reasons, it makes sense, you know? But if you're, if an art director calls Kevin on the phone to, to, to do an editorial illustration for a magazine or whatever, and you're sort of trying to break down a story or something, it's different because you're sort of, it's a different sort of approach, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Giving music a face is, is different because, you know, where it's sort of, it's, it's, um, it is emotional, totally. And like, you know, if you spend time listening to music and, you you know you give it a face you paint a picture literally figuratively or whatever that that people sort of end up connecting it to then hopefully it makes them it triggers some sort of emotional response you know and it has to it's a bummer when it doesn't work i mean like i've said this before on the podcast like the queens of the stone age always sort of are not their packaging is not rad enough for how rad of a band they are yeah it's like okay it's good enough. It's like a, sort of. Oh, it's enough. Mm-hmm. But like, there's missed those. Those is how great of a band they are. They're one of the best rock bands ever. Yeah. Well, who does their stuff? Is it? Like I a think friend? it's a friend. Okay. Well, when Stu, when my manager Stu was still alive and managed them, I one time went into his office and was like, Stu, what the fuck, dude? I go, dude, this isn't. I go, they are so. What's going on? He's like, it's their friend. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> Stu managed. A couple of bands on our CD at the time, and I was like, "If Queens of the Stone Age makes another record, and I don't do the art, we're not friends anymore." <laughs> like, I love Josh Homme in like a way that men aren't supposed to love each other. Yeah, <laughs> let alone his music is fucking like my favorite thing ever. But it's true that they—it's not terrible. It's just not the—it's not well songs for the deaf. You, we figured you. I figured this out. You always use this example. Yeah, the for fucking album art. The, the the sign language sign for the deaf is the heavy metal devil horns. Yeah, which so, he's smart enough that that had to have come up. But even that that could have been super trite, or depends on the execution. That's another odd, interesting thing is that execution can either make or break any good or bad. Because it could have come off as like, uh huh. Yeah, no, no, but like yeah. you and I have done this before, where we've worked on something and you're like, I need you to draw a skull, and I'm like, skull, and you're like, no, 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 but it'll be like this. There's a version of things that have been overused that can still be good. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all in the execution. So, yeah, suffice to say that, yeah, Queens of the Stone Age totally rule and their art is fine. It could be rad. And people, like, the kind of, like, the, the, the interesting thing is, like, their fans are include, like, a, probably a lot of good art directors and designers who are like, mm-hmm. I'll do it for free. Just, right. like, please, this could be so rad. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember Jason Holly telling me when I was in school that, like, it basically came people heard Tom Waits was going to re- do a new album and illustrators were chomping at the bit like yeah. please like he was like please let me do a Tom Waits record like freaking out and so like <laughs> right. th- you know good musicians have good artists as fans 
So when some yeah. that's the thing, I don't there's no excuse for bad there's just no excuse for bad art and bad packaging. You're like, come on. Mm-hmm. This is like totally this isn't acceptable. Sometimes taste, you know, whatever. Taste it's one thing when it's taste. When you're like, okay, you love this. But still. Yeah, they could just legitimately be like, no, we think this is the coolest. I mean, do you find that's why, okay, you tend to work with a lot of people recurringly. Like you you and Dan Winters have worked together now forever. For like 15 years, yeah. Dan Winters is one of the most talented photographers in the universe. He's an alien. That's true. He's a, he's literally no no okay. When looking he, him up now, he's a crazy. Ra- he did those those things on the wall behind you, the photos on the wall right there. Oh here, oh here. He is a an, a crazy good photographer. But then he started. He just decided to become a good illustrator one day, which is infuriating <laughs> to me. Because if I decided to be a good photographer tomorrow, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Like it w- like he he's he's a pretty exceptional dude. And he's also really fun to hang around. Knows a lot about like spacecraft and wristwatches and stuff. He just like yeah, he's like if I was way smarter and all of my hobbies got out of control at the same time. Yeah, he's definitely the smartest person. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely the smartest person I know, and he is just one of those omnipotent, weird, like genius. I don't use the term genius lightly. He's like genuinely a genius. Yeah, crazy. He's a phenomenal photographer. He knows everything about everything, and his paintings are insane but we work together we have worked together a lot over the course of 15 years and, mm-hmm. and are, we understand one another's process in a way that's really like, that's interesting what for he's sure. a good place to discuss okay I want to talk about the uh, mechanical bull cover because that the process of that I think is important for a good way to, for people to understand what can be involved in art directing an album cover so the last Kings of Leon record mechanical bull mechanical bull and the cover you decided it should it to be you wanted to do now who came up with the neon sign idea we i guess me me i myself and caleb and my coworker tina and dan were just talking about the mechanical bull sort of like not he wanted it to feel caleb wanted it to feel as this to he could articulate to his the best way he could articulate it is that he didn't. It, he wanted it, the record was sort of like being on a ride. It wasn't like literal. He didn't want to literally see a mechanical bull, but he, the record, the sort of way it flowed and the sort of emotional, sort of roller coaster that was making it. He felt like it was a bit of a sort of juggernaut in terms of the way it felt to listen to. So he wanted it to be metaphoric in that way, not literal. So mm-hmm. we decided that mechanical bull was a place. And it's we, and so we wanted to build an actual sign. And Dan and I had this conversation, and he has this friend, Todd Snyder, who makes neon signs in Austin, and he's fucking incredible. So Todd started doing some sketches, and we worked together for a couple of weeks. And then the next thing we knew, we had this like huge, beautiful, ten foot by ten foot neon sign that said "Mechanical Bull." That's that was awesome. insane. We have there's a there's a little making of it on I think the King's Facebook page, that's rad. There's like a ten minute like making of it that shows the guys like glass blowing the neon and shit. It's pretty awesome. Wow. But like the, I think things like that, you know, it it gives this sort of that that story and that sort of commitment to making something gives this sort of cover and the art and the point of view of giving music a face in that way. It carries weight. That, that that really matters and it turns it into sort of feeling more like a 
committed idea than just like you know some sort of stock photo of a broken light bulb or something awful but like someone from (laughs) from an outside perspective may think like oh they found a sign that said mechanical bull they sent a photographer to go take a cool picture of it and that was it. Where it's that like, someone would have been me. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that that's what happened. I'm yeah, like, oh, no. they found that awesome sign, and then. But they- just to get that sign took like a month mm-hmm. of where like it should. It's called this. Well, why don't we do a neon sign? Okay, this guy knows a dude who makes rad neon signs. Well, here are this guy. Like, yeah. it's, And then you got to build it, and then you got to go to Texas, and right. then you got and you got to make the sign look old, yeah. and then you got to put it. it it's got to be shot at the right time of day. And yeah. then you have to shoot it, and then it has like it's the the amount of work involved in just getting that image is fucking insane. And I, like I think people always make this assumption that like I hear this a lot from people. They're like, "Oh, make you, but you like paint things. You like draw everything. To, it must take so long." It's like, yeah, it can, but also making like a music video or an album cover like that can just getting the photography right can be almost more labor intensive. Like I didn't have to weld anything to draw the kings of leon's faces like i just sat in my garage and drew them right but like the amount of work that can go like it's almost worse like you know wouldn't it be cool if this was like a sign it's like oh no <laughs> like fuck have you done all the kings of leon covers i have done all the kings of leon covers wow. i have to back it up a teeny bit because i fucked todd's name up i think <laughs> i think i said snyder and it's sanders his name is todd sanders for fuck's sake but he's the, the neon sign artist that built that sign he spent like three weeks making it and weathering it and blowing the glass and we dragged it into the we had the idea that we were gonna like shoot it in various scenarios and the the two days we had to shoot it one was fucking pouring rain in the middle of nowhere in texas and then one was this beautiful like sunset lit fucking gorgeous field and ironically neither of those shots ever (laughs) saw the light of day (laughs) And then Dan went downtown in L.A. and found all these other exterior locations. And then we ultimately ended up comping that sign onto the side of a wall from this building that he shot in downtown L.A. But I guess that speaks to, to Kevin's point that just the, sometimes the process is totally invisible, which is interesting. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't matter that it's invisible. But when you know sort of the weight of the story, it just carries a little bit more allure to sort of... The, I, I think here we are back at when people... When there's intent and, and an intent and a commitment to making something, then it gets to sort of be more. You know, it gets it feels like it has more of a right to exist. Yeah, you know. But I mean, it, and at this point, you've done. You're, I guess, you're sort of artistically responsible for everything visual from the Kings of Leon. Yeah, I've been working with them since like 2001. Yeah, I saw oh, them play well, in their the mom's beginning. garage. Wow. Yeah, I mean, signs. I was saying to a guy the other night. We were at the hotel, and I was the the kings were there, and I was talking to one of their friends. I was like, "Yeah, when I met them when they were children, yeah, like the, the Jacob, the bass player, was seventeen years no, old, like literally children. Like the, <laughs> when I like the way I found out about the Kings of Leon and the Strokes were va- basically via cassette tape. Yeah, like the Strokes had gotten signed, nothing was out really, and Brett sent me a cassette tape <laughs> and was like, "I need you to make a poster for this band. You're going to yeah. freak out." And then you were like, "Hold on, let me go buy a cassette player." Oh no, I had one. <laughs> I had a ghetto blaster on my desk. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so I put this cassette and I list I it was three songs. It was their mm-hmm. first EP thing. And Do I you stayed, still have that cassette somewhere, yeah. You better. And I stayed up all night and made a poster that it didn't end up being used because I it, when I photocopied it, it got stretched out, so it made the 
It was like a go-go dancer, and it made her look like a transvestite. <laughs> but I was right. like, did this get stretched out a little? I was like, I don't really know, because I, I didn't do it on a computer. I did it like half Kinko's, half at my house, and something happened in blowing it up where it stretched out, and it made the woman look mannish. Mm-hmm. And it was like, she looks kind of like a dude now, no? And I was like, yeah, no, you're definitely right. She definitely, something happened in between here and there. Right. But like, that was my, that's how I heard the strokes for the first time. But routinely what will happen is, or what happened with the Kings was, then Brett will be like, "There's we have this band, it's they're ridiculously rad, like, I need this. Brothers and, and a cousin. Yeah. Like, cherries. It's all about, like, gro- family growth, and I think they're, like, young. It's like, we got to, like, metaphorically, it's about balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Family growth. So, we, how about some cherries? Yeah. And then, then it, that thing sort of, like, stuck, and it was like, they're going to get lucky. I feel like this is, it sounds so corny now, but... It's like, it feels like this thing is like on the cusp of exploding already and it hasn't even come out yet. And then it did explode in England like immediately because they're so like genuinely Americana that the Brits were like, whoa. Yeah. Like long hairs that talk like this. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what I met we're them. They had just gotten slow. back from England and, they, and Caleb was like, yeah, man, it was amazing. We couldn't understand shit anyone was saying, but they had <laughs> real good hash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yes, I guess to answer the question, Nick, I've I've worked with them since two thousand one and and done all of their album packaging, and it's been great. They're like my siblings, and yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it now, and these, I mean, they're so great. They're a great band, and and I love them dearly. And they've yeah, they there's obviously a profound level of trust there, and we they we have. Um, yeah, long. We, I, we vacation together. I hang out with them all the time. We're oh, like wow. siblings, so it definitely in, encourages and nurtures the the sort of like mindedness of. <coughs> so when that's it comes made- time to give their mm-hmm. new music a face. You know, I go to Nashville and I'm around in the studio and we talk at nauseum and drink and hang out and discuss what it could be, what it feels like, what it should be for a long long time and then ultimately start to just make things and we sort of act and react to what we're making and how we're making it and sort of see what sticks ultimately and it's great so it's in that way that relationship is very unique i think to most art direction most art directors don't have um that sort of direct through line to the artist that's open communicative open and communicative like 24 hours a day all day yeah for years and vice versa the you know bands don't have art directors and creative people that can they can just bounce ideas off of that you know about anything about their wedding about their house about, yeah. <laughs> about what they're going to wear to their friend's wedding you know and we're it's we're sort of always in sort of constant cahoots about sort of making creative decisions the only together. band i can think of that's like that is radiohead and stanley donwood like he's like the he does like all he's done all the packaging and tons and tons already collaborates with tom york yeah like that's the only but also and i think because of how big the kings of leon got it's almost led to having to do lots and lots of other types of things like products and merch type things that you wouldn't normally have to do at like a record label job yeah for certain there's no question we i left the record label in 2008 and and Stayed with them amongst a few other other artists, but yeah. Now so you were an, a record li- you were an art director at a specific record record label. Yeah, I, I okay. ran the art department at RCA, okay. where the Strokes were signed, and the Kings were signed, and My Morning Jacket was signed, and Ben Queller and Ray LaMontagne. Uh huh. 
And Which My Morning Jacket ones did you do? I didn't, actually. Didn't, they had a, a friend, some friends of theirs did them, but the first one was not at dawn even. Tennessee Fire, I think. No. I was after that. Um, the one with the bear on the cover, Golden. Oh, It Still Moves. It Still Moves yeah. was the first RCA record. Okay, yeah. That's a great album. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, so it was like, you know, we were, my friend Tracy and I were there during that sort of the heyday of all those artists and we were friends with all of them and and it was there was a like-minded sort of and to the label's credit they they knew that they had us and they knew that we were sort of you know we had the artist's ear and vice versa so they marketing just sort of stayed out of the way and we just did our thing which was great wow in hindsight it was we were really lucky tracy told me the story where when the strokes first got signed there was like a gnarly bidding war for the strokes (laughs) really and they so they bring them in these like you know, dirty beer soaked garbage bags from New York. And Tracy said, <laughs> Tracy said to them, says to Julian or somebody, he's like, we wanted to hate you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I told but, him, but we don't. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we wanted to hate you so much, but you're kind of red. He, they had played the night before. And, you know, we'd heard the hype like crazy, like a billion times. Like, oh, it's the greatest band ever again. And I was just like, you know, like 27 year old sort of, like, Ugh, whatever, they're the greatest band ever. I, yeah, whatever. So we went to the show at that. Um, where was it? I can't even remember. It might have been the Mercury Lounge. I can't remember. No, it was Bowery Ballroom, of course. It was sold out Bowery Ballroom, the best venue in New York by far. Mm-hmm. And it was like the second coming of Christ. It was fucking beyond ridiculous. Wow. And they had meetings all the next day at like five different labels. And of course, we were the RCA was the last one. And of course, the art department was the last to meet them. It was rare that they even executives even brought the art department in to meet them. But the RCA executives like got it. They're like, why don't we bring these kids that are like the same people? They're like them in last. So they did. And Fab, who's now one of my very best friends in the world, and Julian sort of were Fab was all over Tracy and I immediately we sat down and started talking. And I said to to Julian, like, I really, really wanted to hate you, but that show was fucking amazing. Yeah. And he was like not really paying attention. Like, <laughs> you know, just sort of in the room. You, you could tell he was annoyed and sort of bored by all the... They'd talked to like the sales team before and then the marketing people before that. And he was just sort of nonplussed. And as soon as I was like, we wanted to hate you, but we couldn't because you're amazing. He was like, fully... It was like, okay, I'm listening now. Uh-huh. And all these executives are like, holy shit. I think we got them. <laughs> Those two clowns, the dog and pony show, they're like hung over and like, yeah. you know, I think we got them. Yeah. And Julian would say, to this day, it had like a lot to do with what they, that, the choice they made for sure. Because they were like, RCA to their credit was like, they had young, smart, creative, like-minded people that like, you know, they were willing to let sort of connect to the yeah. artists and have a trusting relationship that, you know, ultimately was sincere yeah which is cool because those guys were getting a lot of money thrown at them at that time yeah and it was confusing for them and they were annoyed and mistrusting and all you know of course they were all those bands are sort of mistrusting of people that yes them to death you know yeah Yeah. just like any actors or any just people having money thrown at them and like people going yeah no i get you and it's cool the people that are doing it think they actually do get them but then when you know the artists that's why it's important to meet and to establish a trust, a genuine trust before you start working so that all that BS is out the window and you can actually get down to making cool stuff that people, that's rep- that people get to feel good about and represents their music because ultimately it's their record, you know? So the, yeah. f- the first cool stuff for the, for the Strokes 
was is this it uh-huh and then I'm looking the hand on the butt which yeah. was supposed to be the cover it was the cover in, in the UK, UK. And they <clears throat> what happened there which Julie and I love to this day and we agree to disagree still he the hand on the ass was a photograph of that we got from the photographer that shot them, this guy, Colin Lane. That was his girlfriend's ass. So we decided that that was going to be the cover, and everyone was really excited about it. And then they left to go to England, and they were on Rough Trade in the UK. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Travis, the head of Rough Trade, saw the cover, and he was like, don't you think it's a bit Spinal Tap? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and It smelled the glovey. And it's, it's a bit smell the glove, isn't it? <laughs> And Julie, it's that sort of stuck in Julian's ear. M- meanwhile, the entire rest of the universe was like, "No, it looks like might be the most perfect right place, right time cover yeah. ever, maybe." Yeah. So I went and met them. They were going on tour, and um, they were doing a bunch of festivals in Spain. And I was, I got wind, I got wind that he was that Julian was getting wishy washy about that cover. So I st- we did. We did a whole bunch of like sort of backflips to print stuff on on newsprint and print it on various different kinds of newsprint to show them how great it was going to look. And I took them all. I got I got on a plane with all these like prints and they're called drawdowns. And I brought them to Mallorca, and we had a great time. And two days went by, and I con- I convinced them that I was right. And I left Mallorca with my rolled up tubes full of like what the Strokes worldwide cover was going to be. They headed to Australia, and then he emailed me two days later, and there was a JPEG attached. And he first he called and said he found the thing that he wants to be the U.S. cover in a used bookstore in Australia. And I was like, Oh no, oh no, oh no! <laughs> and he so he emailed me and like, Ding, you've got mail. <laughs> and, yeah. I remember opening this JPEG and it was that the Big Bang Theory illustration, that yellow and blue Big Bang Theory illustration. Uh-huh. That it that it, the U.S. cover came to be, and I'm not kidding. I can say this: I'm a grown man. I shed tears. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I tears streamed down my face. And yeah, I was like, this looks like it should say "fucking Santana" featuring Rob yeah. Thomas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Like for real. It's yeah. like this is like about to be the coolest record. It's come out in I don't know when. Everyone knew it was palpable. They were the coolest band in the world. And this record looks like it should fucking say Santana featuring Rob Thomas. That's like, yeah, no. funny. It was a mist. When you look, because when you look at the, on your site, when you look at the packaging with the hand ass, you're like, oh, perfect. The Strokes first record. It all goes in line with itself. And then when you see the actual, I remember getting it was like, huh? What's what's what? What happened here? So in the UK, there was a big like news story about how like the label wouldn't let it be the ass, which is like super not true, right? Yeah, this dear, lovely, genius singer that is Julian Castellanos, who I fucking love. Still to this day, if he was sitting right here right now, would agree to disagree. And he loves the Big Bang Theory cover still. I I mean, okay, I'm looking at it now. It's not the worst thing. It, by album cover standards, it's not the worst thing in the world at all. Well, because now you relate it to the Strokes. And no, how but cool even they are. even as just an image, it's pretty. But it doesn't give me anything about them. That record at that yeah. time, it did not look like that. No, I mean, that record at that time was a different thing. You it was had like the opportunity to, to see them and see the sort of derailing freight train of excitement that was those the Strokes live. It didn't look like Rob Thomas was going to pop. If by. you Google image <laughs> the Strokes, this is it. The Julian's cover comes up once to about every. 
Then there's about 900 ass ones. And then every once so every like 30th row of picks, the Julian one comes up again. And then there's just way more ass ones. I'm like, really? Is this it? Really? Uh, <laughs> really? It is. <laughs> and the answer is, yeah, it is. I'm like, fuck. Anyway, I love them and I love him. And, and you know, we, at least we sort of got a version of our cake and eat it too. That him, mm-hmm. so did he, you know? Yeah, he got what he wanted, and the rest, of the UK got what they wanted, and you know, ninety percent of the people in my career are like, "You did the Strokes like first cover? That's so fucking cool." Yeah, what happened with that yellow one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, and Jules would still to this day, he's like, I, "It's way cooler." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> Do you have favorites that you kind of like? They, when you look back, you're like, that one was... Favorites like, of mine? Yeah, the, in, in retrospect, general? we were like, you know, at the time I knew that was good, but now when I look back, like, we really killed that one. Or do you just have favorites in general? That, the, the, that one, that, the, is this, it is like a time and a place that I recognize. Yeah. It's like, that's a thing. It happened. I get yeah. that, you know? I think the same with the old Dirty thing. At the time, I was just like, huh, I'm like 22, and like, he just like called me bro and like spit <laughs> on me with his fangs huh, and said my hair was dope. Yeah. You know, and I, I knew it was cool. I knew it was sort of renegade, but I didn't know what it was going to turn into. Yeah. So obviously that has a, that carried sort of historical weight that I recognize now is like, holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a few things there that, that'll never really saw, got, saw the light of day with no disrespect to the band whose records they were, but there was a band called Headstrong this Canadian sort of metal band that we totally nailed that no one ever really saw. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Mark Todd did this. Mark Todd and Dan Winters collaborated. Whoa. I mean, pardon me, Mark Ryden and Dan Winters collaborated on this, like, Michigan band called Papa Vegas, which, like, you know, Mark Ryden and Dan Winters collision and no one ever really saw it. It Yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know. The most recent strokes cover is cool the most recent strokes cover is a banger i gotta see that the king's uh shake covers i think are like yeah both of them are those are awesome the test of time those orchids you know yeah Yeah. those are beautiful i think i think that they like are probably the proudest they're the most like right right place right time right records and they're like me you know yeah they feel like that's the way they feel like uh, the risk of sounding sort of douchey or like overly um, intellectual. I feel like that was the right moment where I like personally my visually, I like taking things that are familial and familiar to people and sort of spinning and refocusing the lens on things you feel like you've seen before. And, and I think those are pretty good examples of taking sort of things that people thought that they knew and looking at them, looking at them in a way that, that presented them in a new light, you know, and Mm -hmm. in a way that was like sort of sexy and iconic and provocative, but also just sort of like pretty and cool. I think, I think the faces one's the best. Um, What happened with art uh, direction when like, because you started when CD, before iTunes and MP3s and all that stuff. So what happened between like from then when everyone was buying CDs to when everything went digital because it seemed like album covers and album artwork and even music videos just kind of fell by the wayside. People just kind of forgot or weren't paying attention. And even me, who loves like a great album cover, 
Like after a while, you would get, you would download music or people would give you albums on flash drives and stuff. And some of them wouldn't even have cover art. So your friends would be like, dude, have you checked out the new spiritualized album? And you're like, oh, they use this cool type and they do this and that. And I'm like, I I have that album and I don't know what the cover looks like. Totally. Because it just wasn't there. Someone pirated it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to watch, uh, you know, like the the art was king for a long time, and then yeah. in the digital age, it just became like best case scenario of one inch square on your iPad. Worst case scenario, as you just described, doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, so that's weird because people don't really care as much as they did once, if at all. You know, to be totally frank. Uh-huh. So on on in some cases on you know giving music a face hasn't changed in that way although the way it's presented sort of physically and or otherwise has changed a lot so uh, i don't know it just it's there's no question that the process has been devalued to the point where um yeah you need to approach it in a different way i think or i try to approach it in a different way because it's just so otherwise it's so setting yourself up for disappointment and it's so time consuming to make things that ultimately people aren't going to see or place yeah. any sort of emotional or, or, yeah, just emotional value. Has on. like the the vinyl comeback made made any kind yeah. of difference in sure. like oh album art is back now? Yeah, sure, sure it has. Yeah, and it's fun to design for vinyl. And when people, I think it is one of those things, Nick, where you the absence of it is like yeah, no one cares. But if you do like oh cool, the new spiritualized record came out, and here's the vinyl. Mm-hmm. Most people, unless you're dead inside, are going to respond positively. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like the absence of it's like oh, I don't really care. But the, the yeah. presence of it's like oh, actually I do care. I just didn't know I cared. Yeah, I forgot that I cared. You know, and not everyone is going to care. But like it's you know uh, we just did the uh, Robert Plant's solo record, which is amazing, hilarious in itself, and so awesome. And he presented me like we spent it was a whole thing and he but he i met him after it was all done and he, he came downstairs from his hotel room and he had the vinyl under his arm <laughs> and like he's totally into it and he's yeah. super like yeah he he had it in his arm and he gave it and he presented it to me like he was really proud of it and like he i opened the gatefold and he'd written a note inside and it was just like Holy shit. You know, that's this what is matters, your life. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Just this no, story, which is a nothing thing to you. It reminded me. It isn't a nothing thing in that. No, I, I know. Nothing, I'm, I don't mean to sound boastful at all, but it reminded me like it mattered to him. Him being, yeah. you know, the man that molded the minds of every single person I know yeah. for yeah. Like 30 years. He was like my childhood hero. And so he he loved the vinyl to the point where he made a point of bringing it to me writing a note handing it to me and then we sat down and had tea and I'm just like totally fucking surreal like what is going on here and then he goes into a story about how he loved the process of making this art he starts to pull out all the nuances and acknowledge all the little details that most people wouldn't then he starts talking about how it reminded him of the making of physical graffiti yeah and I was just like what are you talking about you mean physical (laughs) graffiti stop blowing my mind right now (laughs) you know the physical graffiti the cassette that I bought ever the first cassette I ever bought yeah. in my life you mean that one dude you're Robert Plant talking to the, me about physical graffiti they had one of the coolest album covers ever Zeppelin 3 incredible the, the spin wheel one yeah, yeah. that like, thing's unbelievable oh God. The, the, I mean yeah the guy uh, Hypnosis is the is the design studio that, desi- that did all those Zeppelin covers yeah they're like obviously my heroes like of all time and 
and Robert Plant's talking to me about like Storm Thurgeson and, and, and hypnosis and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Like, they yeah. totally molded my being. They're like definitely the guys where I was drawing like Led Zepp on my fucking Ziggy binder and grading. Whatever, <laughs> <you know? laughs> so in that way, that moment, it reminded me that, yeah, it, it, people do still it does carry weight and it d- people do, do still care and you know obviously it's niche and obviously that's a specific thing yeah. but it was it was a cool exchange in terms of like this this thing that's an artifact that like and then he t- goes into this thing about how the music couldn't have existed without this art and the art looks like it's been like this forever and i feel like you know if you do maybe it's maybe i'm just kidding myself maybe i'm, st- I'm like so up my own ass it's ridiculous i hope not but like it seems like if you show people the difference they respond often you know there is i mean if it's like you said they think they didn't care until they saw the version of it that's good and they're like oh wait no i actually really do care like you could have nothing or this i'm like okay that's pretty cool yeah and not everyone but it's lots of people you know yeah i don't know yeah i'm going through your book and it, i i keep forgetting all some of the stuff we've done together like what well, I forgot about the um, holiday hangover. Uh, those uh, RCA samplers that Kevin... There was like a samplers of just random bands. Metal. And Kevin would do these hilarious sort of illustrations that were always great. Always. What is it? What... Can you... I'm curious to what I'm like to work with. <laughs> you are? Jesus. Tell the truth. That's awesome. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? Am I easy? Over the course of like you, you guys, over the course of like fifteen years, yeah, uh, I would say, yeah, you you are relatively easy because, and I'm not just jerking him off because he's sitting close enough that I could be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, Kevin is super smart and super willing to listen, and his skill set is a given. Yeah. So. You know, the skills alone are a given. His, the way his brain works specifically is like, there was various years for various reasons that I'm sure you've talked about on this podcast and others where there was sometimes you're a little darker, sometimes a little more bitter, sometimes right. a little cheekier. But, yeah. So like that sort of voice changed a little bit. Right. To navigate sort of like, oh no, did we get like dark paying attention, Kevin? Or did <laughs> we get like, oh yeah, it's totally cool, fun, yeah. Right. So, um... Yeah, I would say you're easy to work with because you're super smart and you have like mad skills and you're willing to listen. I think lots of you were talking earlier, like you, when you're art directors that don't know what they want, just are talking in circles. It's confusing. Yeah. Well, the, a lot like of the times when we give, if if I call Kevin and I'm like, here's like some a look, sort of a, some mood boards of what what the with sensibility we're looking for, and then we'll talk as mushy fucking like-minded artists do yeah. talk about like this is what we feel yeah and it sounds <laughs> annoying but it's <laughs> yeah and, and then it, it it you know the ab it comes out in the work and it's like it's not like obviously like, oh they felt that and that's why it looks like that but th- there's a tactility and sort of a warmth and a humanity about it that is present because of the fact that we think <laughs> yeah you know but it does come out of like i, I routinely get sent like a, a huge pdf of like a mood board which sounds so weird but like it's like a couple hundred pictures of just stuff 
None of which, most of which I'm not going to use on any level. But it'll just be things and pictures of, like, landscapes or, like, wood or a bull or just, like, all this stuff together. And I'll just kind of look through it. And that basically tells me, like, the basically how it should feel. It should feel like this. Ki- and a lot of times, like, it should feel this, this kind of authentic. And then I'll get on the phone with you or with Tina and it'll be like, but then it'll get really specific. Like, I need a rabbit's foot. I need a rabbit's foot on a piece of wood. Yeah. I need two cherries on a piece of wood. And I'll be like, okay. And this I'll just. This wood, peeling wood, this color rabbit's foot. This yeah. Is why? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's about sensibility. And I think that we sort of touched on it earlier. It's like in, when you are intentional, when you make intentional decisions that command sort of like a reaction, then people buy it. They don't know, not literally like pay money for it, but they want to be part of it because it speaks to something. It resonates. It carries a weight because there was intentional decisions being made that were like emotional or otherwise that sort of give sort of what we're talking about like some heart, you know? Yeah. Well, you say this, I've heard you say this more than once that like it looks like it was there before. Yeah. What does that mean? Like like when things, like that's an example like the stroke, the red strokes record, the f- the king's second record, like they look like they've always been, like they've existed forever, mm-hmm. you know. And it just when it it seems like it's effortless, and like not a struggle, it just looks and it commands like, oh yeah, of course that's it. Like the Robert Plant cover, it was this whole thing, and it turned up to out to be this this Dan Winters photograph of the, a shell that we found in Georgia at his beach house, and then. My friend Jeff and I drew on it, and it. His band members were like, "It just struck us like this is what the music is. This is I can't imagine it ever having looked anything other than this." Yeah, and it's when I think that's part of my brain and how my brain works. I like to. I, I touched on it briefly with regards to the King's Aha Shake Heartbreak covers. I like sort of taking sort of familial sort of pop culture experience and tactility and and objects and visual experiences and emotional experiences and sort of representing them in a way that that people haven't seen before and it makes it's comforting and and sort of pushes them a little bit you know mm-hmm. right does that make sense it does yeah, but they I- say that about like great ideas in general that like like a brilliant idea is something like to where once you have it you go like Oh yeah, or when people hear it, they, they it just seems like something that they almost would have thought of but never did. You know, it just makes so much when sense. I when I hear a great joke sometimes or a reference, I'm like, God, it was right there. Yeah, it yeah. was just sitting right there for someone to find it, and and we just walked right past it a million times. Like when it's so brilliant, it's almost simple at the same time. Cause yeah, you're like, fucking obviously, that's the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is about boiling it down a lot. I mean, when when you and I do stuff, it a lot of times about boiling it down. You rarely are like, how can we complicate this? It's like, no, what is it? Like, what's the simplified version of this? And why? Yeah. And like, the point, it's not about, like, I say to my students all the time, it's like, anyone can learn to, like, make something look cool. But if it's not born of, like, fucking thinking, Mm -hmm. it's not born of your heart, then I don't give a fuck. I care. Yeah. Even if it looks cool, it's going to wear off. I I remember being in art school in Jason Hawley's class specifically. Jason Hawley is a... A really gr- we, he was in our episode about people that get ripped off too much. Yeah. And he, uh, he was my, I think I had, a, I had just an illustration class with him. 
and I did this illustration that looked really cool. I think I put like a like one of the the land speeder from Star Wars, and he goes, he goes, it looks really cool, Kevin, mm-hmm. but that's it. He's like, he goes, I think you're getting a little cool. And you're like, Whoa. and I and I wasn't like, oh rad, I'm getting cool. I was like, oh no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, where it was like. Right? Yeah, I was like, oh, that's it's just slick. It's just like it's only aesthetic. And I knew I was like, it's meaningless. I don't give a shit about this Star Wars thing. This is just an image I made. Mm-hmm. And it is literally meaningless. And he saw that immediately. He was like, it's a little cool, dude. That's awesome. That's what it's that's what's supposed to happen. It happens in our class all the time. I'm like, you know what, you can't my, the king's tour manager is English. He's lovely, and he says all the time, You can't blog a blogger. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I totally know what that means. Yeah. And I say it to my students all the time. I'm like, you can't fucking kid a kid. Or like, I don't, like, I know that that's a handsome layout of the fucking true detective poster that you're doing. I know, like, it's attractive. You got yeah. me. But what is it? What is it? Tell me about why. Yeah. And you're like, well, I just, you know, thought that the, you know, like the picture was cool. And I was like, oh. The, well, that's not is. enough. That's not enough. But what are you talking about? Like, where, why? Yeah. And they're like. You know, with all due respect, it, you're right. The picture is cool. That's a handsome layout. You have like chops, yeah, design chops. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't care. I mean, we've like, talked about. Have, it's my job to teach you that you can't. Like, you might be able to fucking trick the four or five other instructors here, but like, it's my job to make sure that you don't think that that's okay because it needs to fucking come from your brain and your heart, and then it carries weight. So how do you use something like, like the like Dark Side of the Moon cover as an example of like, is that something that's like, oh yeah, that's always been there, or is that something that's like weird out of this world, hard to describe? Because when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but it looks super fucking cool. That's awesome. That's a rad example. That's yeah. A completely rad example. I don't know. I think it's both. I mean, we were, I was so young when it happened, and it was so familial, and like instantly recognizable and mysterious. Yeah. It did exactly what we're talking about. It was like, oh my God, I know what that is, but I'm kind of scared of it too. Cool. I mean, that's how, yeah. like, I th- when I think of like an Iron Maiden cover, it's like that, ca- Ed, the Eddie character. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you unzipped your overall. Brett owns more. Brett has more money invested in Iron Maiden t shirts than I have in wristwatches. It's not even close. <laughs> it's your retirement fund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, like, you know, the Eddie character is really weird. It's by one illustrator. I don't, I don't know that it was, like, come up with by committee. But as soon as you saw it, it was like, oh, fuck, that's definitely the Iron Maiden guy. Oh, yeah. Or, like, this makes sense instantly. And you kind of wonder, like, it, it's, it feels like it was there before, but it was one artist's vision who maybe was like, I, can, I wonder if he was like, I can kind of nail what you're looking for. Or, like, when you think of, like, an old Yes cover, those, like, super surreal... They yeah. fit perfectly. So great. But it was like someone's specific art that they used. You know, yeah. I mean, you used a very specific artist for a Foo Fighters cover. You used Raymond Pettibon. That's true. Amazing. Raymond Pettibon, legendary artist. Did, he was, did all the Black Flag art. He did the Black Flag fucking logo. Wow. He designed the Black Amazing. Flag logo. So he's rad. responsible for a lot of tattoos in Orange County. For I mean, <laughs> yes, dude, totally. a lot of bad decisions in Orange County. Yeah, he did all the Black Flag art. Wow. Dave Grohl once said to me, like in a, at a at a party in passing, when he was thinking about using Raymond Pettibone, he's like, "Well, do you know who Raymond Pettibone is?" And my response, I can't believe it. I was like, "Yeah, do you know who Courtney Love is?" <laughs> 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 That's an amazing response. But it was like so douchey, and I was a little bit drunk, and I was like, 
I, he didn't know that of course I was like had been in art school for seven years and as a yeah. teacher mm-hmm. like of course I fucking know who <laughs> Raymond Pettibone is so funny so yeah it turned out that he we went to Raymond Pettibone's studio and he made all these totally rad paintings yeah of like hearts incredible he's just standing there in pajama bottoms with a paper cup full of red paint and those huge wave paintings yeah and wow. it was just like oh my god man I mean I came and picked you up and you put I had a Honda Civic hatchback and you put a pile of Raymond Petty Bond painting scraps in the uh, in my the back of the hatchback. I was like, dude, that's like two hundred thousand dollars worth of art. We got to get the fuck like where wow. we can't just park this car anywhere, dude. It's crazy. And then I was like, right before we left, I'm like, Raymond, would you mind just like he has a very lots of his paintings are accompanied by like weird sort of strangely voiced sort of exclamations or sort of partial conversations yeah uh-huh. like weird sort of poetry commentary. Mm-hmm. so there's and he, it's this very specific kind of, of hand painted type that he does and i felt like so douchey asking but it was crucial we were making a fucking album cover i'm like do you mind like writing foo fighters a couple times? <laughs> they're like one by one over and over again and he's like yeah i don't mind and i'm just like so douchey that i'm like i don't want to have to like mimic your handwriting to write foo fighters i don't want to ask a legend to like write foo fighters yeah i have to and he did it sort of on this ripped piece of watercolor paper over and over again and they were yeah. typing all over the place and it was just like Oh my god, it's the raddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I mean, I have been I can't tell you how many people have hired me to do type and are like, um, you know the Raymond? And I'm like, Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like anytime someone does type with a brush kind of quick, they're ripping the shit off of Raymond Pettibone. Really? I mean it's his it really is he's the dude that made I I'm sure there are other people that did it before him or whatever. I've never Googled more things on a podcast, by the way. Because I'm like, okay, I don't know what that I gotta look that but I mean, but I I mean have to just so I know. You know, <laughs> Levi's did a just did a campaign with, with that's like you know kind of it looks like Urban Outfitter and and like blurry, but the type is definitely lifted from Raymond Pettibon. Uh-huh. Like, but there is type. You said something the other day. We were talking about type, and you were like, type separates the men from the boys. Re- me? Yeah. Which I recently had a job where I had to do some type, and I had to do it in the computer. And was it my album cover available in vinyl now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did do I did do your type for your album cover, and yeah. I basically Two? did. Shay. I just kind of, I did things that you, Brett and I had already done. Like I was like, what would like you? Because your version, you actually sent me this, the the Neil Young scrap you sent me mm-hmm. had been sent to me in a vis- in one of the mood boards for like a Kings of Leon right. thing. So it was you know oh this is a, I you know I knew exactly what you wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But type to me is terrifying, especially if it's in the computer. Like I can it's in the computer. I can if type is in the computer. If I can fuck around with it by hand, I stand a chance. But when it involves like when people are like, "What kind of font?" When as soon as someone says, "What font?" I I literally I start to sweat a little because that's where it's that's where it's serious. Type is serious, dude. I have a vegan poppy seed cooking in my mouth right now. <laughs> yeah. So, but pardon me. <laughs> Font, <laughs> what font is that? And typography? Ugh. I mean, one of the best like, things like you told me was what was it? Was it the weeks when they were like, "What font did you use?" And you were like, "Homie, that was hand drawn by this this kid in Los Feliz." It was Alabama Shakes. Well, we need to see some more fonts. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I don't work at Kinkos. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I'm not like just going through my font library, scrolling and typing like 
Alabama shakes and seeing what looks cool. That's not what's happening here. Yeah. Like study typography and letter forms. And then we sort of find one that gives, that speaks the right voice. And that yeah. sounds so graphic designer and douchey. While I eat my vegan poppy seed lemon <laughs> delicious cookie. But I mean, okay. but it's true that typographic nuance and, <coughs> and understanding of letter form is separates good from great. Yeah. It just does. Whether it's yeah. hand drawn or, you know, scanned from a book or yeah. the scroll down menu. If you understand the way the play of letter forms and how they speak together yeah it's a whole fucking different thing where uh, what what a like a chunk a paragraph of copy looks like like typeset in a real way versus like just like flown in by like you know command e bring in all the type and make it put it in a box that's yeah. what's going on i mean i w- the out of all I, when i think of all the jobs we've done the hardest like probably top three hardest ones was that week's type that shit took me forever the on, the, on the on the big banner. Yeah, amazing. That 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 lettering was so hard. It was great though. It came out right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's another obvious. I mean, I guess that's totally obvious. Is some greatness requires struggle. Yeah, and well, there's many times to bless Kevin's heart that I call him and say like, we need to do this. And it's like we need three versions of this, and they're going to be a total nightmare. And he's always game. He's like, and a lot okay. of times you're like, and it's we need it tomorrow. And we I'm need like, it in like fifteen minutes. <laughs> okay, I know it's like the good news is that it's uh, eleven thirty in New York, so you have you're three hours behind us, right? You're not doing anything right now. Far be it for me to have interrupted whatever it was you were doing in your actual life, but <laughs> due to uh, for many extenuating circumstances. Most of which are assholes not doing their jobs. Yeah. And the buck stopping right here. Can you like bend over backwards to make this happen and nail it? I have like had tomorrow? to pick up some fumbles. <coughs> yeah. Lots of times, sure. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, I appreciate it. The we appreciate it. <laughs> that Seems logo came out rad, it. though. And seeing it as like a giant, what do you call it, a scrim? Mm hmm. That was pretty cool. Remember, I, I sent you a picture of it yeah. in England, and it looked rad. It looks cool. Yeah. I mean, any the little things like that, like, I think one of the first times I saw the Kings of Leon, like, the cherries on the drums. Like, that's yeah. a, like when I get to see that stuff, it is really, like, I get totally. really excited. Yeah, it's fucking cool. We made a blanket recently, a Kings of Leon blanket, with one of Kevin's paintings on it, and he just received it recently. Yeah. In a box, like, sort of post-Christmas Christmas presents. And right. It's fucking cool. It's a bl- I mean, I, yeah. That's the thing, working with you for them... <laughs> I've gotten to do a lot of things I would never have gotten to do otherwise and see them. Like when I went to the last, when they played the forum, like it just like to see a random dude wearing the t-shirt with the, the bird skull. Awesome. Like that's, I can't, I'll, there's never a day. It's the same thing when I see someone wearing one of the toy machine shirts. There's never a day I don't get super juiced. Yeah. That's I'm so just awesome. like, just, do you know that thing over there? I fucking drew that myself. And like, but yeah, working like the Kings of Leon is great because it puts it on like such a massive scale. Yeah, that's nice. like they're so. They, I, I mean, I always love them as a band, but you never know that someone's going to get like that big. Yeah. So like when and you it, do, like, you got to do it as a fan too. Yeah, because I just like, like them. I, yeah, we're super into them. Yeah, I was like, this record's great. Like, yeah. and that they're like mad appreciative, and like the, the, the relationship has been as long as mine has been. So like, you know, it's just Kevin's just like one of the gang. Yeah. Like they see a rad illustration, they're like, Kevin did that, obviously, right? I'm like, yeah, they know. It's they're cool. Better, Here we are back at like establishing <laughs> trust in a, like sort of a little world, and I think it gives it more sort of 
we car- carries more weight when it has a purpose, you know. Let's run quickly through through um. Let's go through your highlight reel. Well, what does that mean? Like I want who I do we miss? Who do we miss? Then? Oh, we could just go through the the Ray Lamontagne cover is rad. The Jason Holly Ray Lamontagne cover should not be ignored. That one's yeah. a hot one. The yeah, one with the Jason snake. Jason Holly is one of the most amazing illustrators on the planet. He is top. He's top him. five living illustrators. There's a story to that. Is it? Is this sorry? Is this the one with the snake? It's a, a woman dancing with the devil. Yes, it's yeah. Trouble, and then there's a snake with a lily on the inside. What's really weird, by the way, is the snake with the lily looks really similar to this Rival Sons album cover. He did that. Oh, he Jason did that Holly too. did the Rival Sons. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, those are so similar. Yeah, hmm. Jason Holly did that Rival Sons cover. That also. makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. He's, he was one of my, he's my favorite professor from Art Center, which when I met you, I was t- 19, <laughs> and it was on a v- set of a video for Eve 6, and I was like, I'm going to art school. Here's my portfolio. <laughs> and you were like, there's a guy You're named like, Scram Jason. nerd. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> he made me get him a coffee. And he was like, I will yeah, look I'd at this. Go get me a coffee, awesome stupid. Not. <laughs> I would never. But I was like, Give You're me a an- lemon poppy seed cookie. Yeah, I was like, You're Stat- an art director. Here, here's my portfolio to get into art school. And I showed it to him. And I he was, was like, Canadianly polite, was I? You were very polite. You were like, You're adorable. Here's my wing. Come right under it. Yeah. Right? And you were like, There's a guy who teaches at your college named Jason Hawley, he's, you're, he's you going to, to change it. your life. And he did. He totally did. See, you were absolutely right. Power to the people. That's yeah. cool. But the Ray LaMontagne's a hot one. Yeah, he's great. Jason's honestly, I, I think he's still, to this day, is my favorite illustrator for sure. Yeah. He's, Jason Hawley? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I'm, the scrape cover... He's so smart. The scrape cover of Lauren's finger. Is, that's, that's probably the, the... Goes down in history. That one... For this metal band from Florida called Scrape, and, and um, my friend, our coworker, like gnarly, 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 chewed his nails. Lauren Finkelstein, it was, like, so filthy, like gnarly, <laughs> neurotic, crazy. And I was, we were at work once day, and I looked at it through a loop, on on my desk, and it was like so gross. <laughs> so we, uh, Dan Winters, we went to Florida, and Dan Winters shot like close up portraits of his gnarly, fucked up nail, and then we got, we went to the. Um, I don't even remember where we got the pig fetus and the pig's eye. <laughs> but we shot all this. It was Florida, so on the street. We yeah, sh- at a Vons. We shot all these crazy other things, and then we wrapped the head, the band's heads in saran, in saran and wrap. stapled them to a wall. Wow. And like, did a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And it was great. They were, couldn't have been more cooperative. The images are super-duper-duper strong and gnarly and cool. And it, it was called, like... Um, Something America? Yeah. And like the the type, the logo was I had like a fucked up like cab receipt in my pocket, and it was like the when cab receipts were like printed out that they they dot like yeah. So I just pulled apart those letters and put them back together, and it said scrape, and it was fucking so awesome. And anyway, that whole campaign, the the publicity photos, we convinced the publicity people that the first like four weeks of the publicity photos they had to be totally out of focus. Like, they did whatever we wanted them to do, and it was, like, one of those things that if, you know, with no disrespect to Scrape, but if that was done for the Deftones, yeah. people would have noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it was like, I was at Dan's house in Georgia last week, and it was like we were just sort of reminiscing about that particular thing. It was so wide-stretching and so, so, so strong and so ballsy, and, like, just unfortunately not very many people saw it. Yeah. 
The same, the same goes for this Canadian metal band called Headstrong, where we shot. They found this a picture of these kids boxing that was like a historic picture of these kids boxing in the 40s in a library in Toronto. And we cast two kids and, and did built an entire shoot around these kids boxing. And then my favorite thing ever, I and I don't know how, why they agreed, but we, <laughs> we shot portraits of the band... We, I would fill their mouth with water, and then I would sit like just out of frame and punch them as hard as I could in the face. <laughs> wow! In their face, like full, like water flying, like full on. Yeah, like, that has not, to be like, top, top three favorite jobs you've amazing. done. Amazing. <laughs> and like Dan Winters is like, got it, and it's fucking mind blowing. Wow! So yeah, that that package was really 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 awesome too that no one ever really saw the light of day Blood so who do you look up to who are the people that like like influenced you or you look back now and you go like their body of work is unbelievable uh von oliver for sure from 4ad all those pixies covers uh, okay yeah like all of that stuff incredible so von oliver yeah uh-huh. okay um obviously um Hypnosis that did all the, the the Pink Floyd and Zeppelin covers, you know the Pink Floyd cover "Wish You Were Here" with like the businessman shit yeah. on fire. That's the Storm Thorgerson guy, right? Yeah, he has a studio called Hypnosis. He did um, a couple Mars Volta covers that I really love. Were you a David Seville guy? Uh, totally. David Seville did Joy Division. I love it. I love it. The Feels guy who it. did John Kosh or whatever, the guy who did all those like Eagles covers. Totally awesome. Totally awesome. I love that too. So people know people. Well, like, okay, there's a guy who run, the talent coordinator at the comedy store, uh, Adam Egget, has a, the tattoo of the Joy Division cover. And I was like, who made that image? And he goes, Joy Division. I was like, Adam? Yeah. If you're going to use this to talk to girls, you need to know the name of the guy who did it. Yes. I was like, this is his name. He is a, <coughs> he was legendary. He did all these amazing, amazing covers. Like, mm. this, just the picture of the CD before Kanye decided to do it. He did that shit like a real long time ago. Like, right. these, that's the thing. These people, these things were made by people. Like, a lot of times, it's almost like the band gets credit for the art in a weird way. But, yeah. like, someone drew the Yellow Submarine images and like these things were made by people that like it's all and it's fun to look them up once you find out okay it's fun for me once you find out yeah. who they are you're like oh shit it's like you're like oh this looks like that that's that uh, uh uh this illustrator's cover looks like this other guy and you're like oh that guy did this 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 and this yeah and you see that they it kind of helps inform like your decisions to listen to music in like a weird way yeah because you're like you think like well this guy did like these three awesome bands and like Th- that covers look so cool and then you're like he probably did other cool bands and yeah. then you look at look them up it establishes the taste level sort of yeah thing, right yeah like, same with like a like when you back when cds were more of a thing you'd be looking at like the covers and you look at the back covers and see who produced it yeah and then you're like okay that's how i discovered rick rubin i was like this guy's name has been on like three albums i really love yeah and then I would just go find other shit that he did, and then you know, then you know about the Beastie Boys, and then you know about like you know, I found out about that like uh, uh, those covers he did with Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, stuff like that. Totally. You're just like that was before you could just fucking Google things. Yeah, you have to like find out people through that, like who produced that, who did art direction yeah. for this. It's interesting. That's for, yeah. He Rick Rubin did a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't know, but like 
he was had such a hand in it that you could trust that it would be relatively yeah. interesting no matter what it was whether you knew it or not yeah jake yeah, bug Peter savile of course did all the new order stuff amazing von oliver totally was my jam in school absolutely and hypnosis for sure mm-hmm. yeah peter peter savile's i wonder if i would have loved to have like find out like what it was like back he i bet you he butted up against a lot to, to make stuff that stark at that time must have been hard for him but yeah people don't like that t-shirt is it, as a t-shirt and album cover it's maybe the most ripped off thing you've ever and there's so many like parodies of it of what which one the the joy division oh one. right yeah yeah like toy machine did a deck that's like one of their characters <laughs> right. like it's so it's so like there's so many like homages to it that like you want to i wish his, i wish it said peter seville like underneath <laughs> like people know though and i think like you know that love uh, that love corruption and lies or power corruption and lies like those flowers that new order cover like people know yeah <coughs> pardon me i mean i hope so i, I think yeah it, and maybe like here we are back at odd technology but maybe the fact that like kids can find information that quickly it could, it will help, I think. People like, it's just easier to know and easier to learn. You can cross-reference quick. I mean, I'll occasionally yeah. get someone who's like, wait, you're the one who, who was in Broken Rose Project? And I'm like, how did you know that? I hope, you know, I say to my students all the time, like, they, when they come to class and they haven't done an appropriate <laughs> amount of research, it pisses me off because it's so fucking easy to Oh, dude. To Compared to when I was in art school and you were... You had to go to the library. Or the picture collection for hours and hours and it hours. It took for if you needed like a you have to all right you have to draw a snake. It's like you couldn't Google image a snake. You had to go get like multiple books, and you couldn't use any of the ones you found because you get sued. So it was like all right, I have yeah. to come up with this conglomeration of snake imagery to then draw upon to then use. It just it was such it was way more of an arduous process. So when you left RCA, because we've we've brought up teaching a couple times, I want to get into that a little bit. But like, did you leave to like I want to go teach now, or did you just want to do your own thing? For I a was while? teaching at the time, and I just was, was gonna. I, it became a thing ultimately where I just it would be it was easier for me to go do my own thing uh-huh. because um, how do I say this without sounding like a douche? I think <laughs> just like you know when record sales become sort of started to dwindle the marketing thereof of music became a little more heavy handed mm-hmm. and a little more sort of um, budgets evaporated yeah and just a little it was a little more blatantly marketing and, mm-hmm. and, and that's not I wasn't good at that and it wasn't a useful um, it wasn't a, a great use of my connection to like art for art's sake and the artists so it made more sense for me just to go remove that part of it and just work directly with artists uh-huh. knowing what I knew about the record labels which I learned a ton at and learned a ton about and I could I could make sort of help make marketing decisions in the process of making art that would be of use rather than sort of have my decisions being stunted in the process while being there. Does yeah. that make sense? I remember towards the end, it was a lot of, you'd be like, uh, we're going to try to do this thing, but it's going to be his head at the end. It's going to be a photograph of his head in the end of the day. And it's just like, that's not fun. And I, it's no disrespect. It's just like, it's, uh, it, it's, they have to be, you know, when the album package and the allure of the package and sitting on the couch or your bed reading the lyrics and all that became a one inch square on fucking iTunes and like all I heard was is it done yet right you know is the JPEG uploading yeah like oh no stop saying Uh, JPEG it's like my JPEG machine is broken (laughs) so things just started to shift from like 
amazing album artwork and packaging to like we like viral online things yeah, right and like just like marketing two minute videos yeah, and yeah mm-hmm. stuff like which that which is there's tons of validity there and it's it's, it's yeah. of use absolutely no question and and one would be silly if they didn't if we didn't acknowledge that we have to sort of change with the times absolutely and adapt but i just i wasn't really done doing what i wanted to do and the kings were sort of in the about to make another record and a handful of other Ray LaMontagne was about to make another record and I was just like I'm just going to go do it you know at my friend's studio it's just easier for me yeah (coughs) so yeah that's what happened and now I that's you know I I work a lot when the Kings are active I'm full time with them mostly Mm -hmm. because there's just so much to do and then there's a handful of other projects music related fashion related you know that that are around and it's good totally Shut up. That's great. I like that. It's like I'm going to go venture out on my own and be able to do it. Well, because it turned into like when when everything got so small, it was like we people are it turned all the a lot of the imagery that went with records. Unfortunately, was like people are going to look at this for less than a second. So if it's if it's a solo artist record, it just needs to be their face. That's it. Yeah. So I mean, and you you only a lot of times I noticed it was the only time you got kind of the leeway to do something cool is if a band was humongous or tiny mm-hmm. and now there's so few humongous bands right it's just not that's that the kings are one of the rare bands that can justify doing cool shit like i mean the blankets were for a vip package that you get and it came you know it was like yeah uh, arcade fire can do that stuff yeah too. they yeah. definitely can do that stuff and they yeah. do do that stuff and their show's really cool yeah and then like little bands like the weeks that are on the king's label like we can do cool stuff it's just we have to do it for super cheap yeah which is fine Sometimes, you know, we're happy to do things for super cheap. Sometimes I have to call Kevin and say, we have to do this for free. Or call Dan and be like, can we shoot this artist for mm-hmm. like zero dollars? Yeah. Which yes. is, you know, how Sorry. many of those, like no one wants to hear, we don't want to, we're grown men like working for free. It's kind of a uh-huh. jip, but like when it's rare and I try to absolutely, it's very, very rare now, but like sometimes when the work or the music or the person is that great, you know, it sometimes just has to be that way still. Yeah. You know, it's keeping that kind of tradition alive, I think, is Jack White. Totally. 100%. Like, music for the music, and he, like, cares about, like, the every step of the way, as totally. opposed to, like, just put out singles or just get the album out the door and don't really care about everything between A and B, you know? Yeah. He's in a real way, like, a genuine artist, and he makes real things, and he has yeah. a studio, and he cares about the packaging, and he cares about, like... You know, nurturing young people, and yeah, he's totally. I feel like him uh, and Dave Grohl are like, are nurturing and caring about music and the present day and the and the history of it. They, totally. came, they both came along at a, not similar, but around a time where they got to see two versions of the music industry. So I think they're like, what well, you know, this is changing in a way that isn't all, isn't completely the best. It's way more accessible, but also there's parts of it that used to be really rad that are getting lost. And yeah. they're success- they're both successful enough to be able to shine a light on certain things. Like we were just talking about, people love the clown John Mayer, but he also made a twenty minute long movie about a, ty- a, a a sign painter in England who he had do his album cover, who you used for a Kings of Leon thing. Where like this guy's process is insane, incredible, and no one would know about it except after John Mayer decided to use him. Was like this guy's process. Like we need to film how this fucker does this because yeah. it's insanity. But you, he has the level of success to make that happen. 
That's why know. I think like the the Foo Fighters' latest album and mm-hmm. what they decided to do with it, that Sonic Highways documentary yeah. series, is like they didn't have to do that. No, they could have just been like, "We're going to record a new album and we're going to do it sure in different recording studios all over like the country." But they were like, "Let's film." a documentary series where we talk about the studio, its history, yeah. and then the history of music in that city. And they did like and they did eight cities and they turned it into an eight-part series and then you watch it and you go like even if you know a lot about music, you are learning shit. And it's like it's great. But that yeah. goes into like I mean, if people aren't going to like pay attention to what goes into the making of an album or whatever, like this is like a great way to get people to do it. Yeah, you know, it's a cool. It is a really cool to, 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 and, a, and a palpable, interesting way to get people to engage in like the making of something. That's yeah, cool. absolutely. People love to watch the making of something, and like we fucking watch the making of food. We watch Top Chef, right? You know, people yeah. seriously like to involve people and invite people in the process in that way is really cool. And he's like a big kid, and he loves yeah. doing it, and that's awesome. Super duper 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 admirable. It's a fun contrast to the fact that you have, you know, one of the more refined visual tastes in the world. Uh, do you want to show Nick your Tasmanian devil tattoo? Yeah, I do have a Tasmanian <laughs> devil tattoo, which is really cool. That actually is very cool. It's super cool. It happened in 1984, and my mom gave me the money. That's funny. Is he flipping? Uh, he's doing. I think he's doing this. He, you know, uh, the other number one. Yeah, the other. Uh, thank God he's not doing this. No, no, no. Both would be good. Uh, or he could have had a hockey stick and a beer. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the time, not out of the question. That no, 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 not out of the question at all. Tattoo. There was a kid in my high school who, when he turned eighteen, he was still in, like a senior. He went and got a tattoo. It's Tasmanian Devil, and this guy was one of the whitest guys ever. He got the Tasmanian Devil dressed as a gangster. Oh man, like a cholo. I they used to have shirts of that Bugs Bunny and yeah. 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 Apparently, that shirt really got him in the heart. Wow. Four, I was fifteen. No, I was fourteen when I got this rad one. <laughs> Casper, what's Casper's? Casper the ghost, the friendly the, ghost. What's the de- his devil friend's name? Oh, Do I don't know. I don't remember. But it's literally almost white now. It's genius. <laughs> it, I was fourteen when I got this one. It was really oh, cool. Wow. And then t- I was like fifteen <laughs> when I got the Tasmanian devil. And, my mom gave me the money. <laughs> How did no. that conversation go? Hey, I'm thinking of getting a Tasmanian devil tattoo. I'm, the conversation went, Mom, I think I'm going to get another bad tattoo, <laughs> and I don't have 60 bucks. <laughs> Can I borrow your $60 car? $60 in Canada in 84? I don't know. That's Maybe a lot of money. 50. It was probably 100 bucks an hour, and it pr- probably, you know, it's like a couple inches by a couple inches. It's hilarious. A couple it inches of a couple inches of, of, of right. The good news about my tattoos is socks exist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> socks and pants cover uh, that right up. I almost made way worse decisions, so, like, yeah, socks exist. See, this wasn't so bad. You did yeah. fine. <laughs> Are we done? Good. We're done. We could be done. Yeah, we could totally be done. Thank you. I love you. I love you. You rule. Thank you. You do rule, dude. You. This life changing. Really cool. You're a legend. That's nice. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything you want to, like, promote or plug or. I don't think so. Your web, you got. We'll, 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 Even if there was, you totally wouldn't. Right. Yeah, we'll I do that for you. We'll, <laughs> yeah. When we do the intro, we're gonna plug your website yeah, where yeah, they can yeah. find all your amazing work and yeah. all that stuff. My website that's been under construction since 2008. <laughs> Sounds like the way I construct websites. <laughs> yeah. Good. That's uh, funny. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, you rule. You've affected Thanks. visual culture. Yeah, dude, No one can you, deny it. You make music a better place, man. As like a fan of music. You really do make it like better to look at and more enjoyable. That's right. Thanks yeah. for saying so, fellas. Absolutely. Yay. We did it. We did it. I hope you enjoyed this episode, everybody. Any questions, comments, concerns, 
Hold on to your concerns, but your questions and comments. <laughs> your concerns can go for uh, yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let us know. You know where to email us. You know where to reach us. Uh, thank you again. Goodbye.